a radio show that confesses Christ without confusing the law and the gospel. A radio show that takes scripture seriously without taking ourselves so seriously. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. Is that Jesus can return at any time. He's not waiting for a Japanese nuclear power plant to melt down. No. The thing that's holding him back is his patience and love for lost humanity and nothing else. Uh, There there are no events that need to occur before Jesus comes back. And so seeing all the things that happen around us and saying, hey, hey, that means Jesus is coming. The answer is no, no. That's wrong. That's the wrong way of looking at it. Jesus can come at any moment. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love. And Luther says the only way that uh, the pronoun me and God could be in the same sentence is by this verb, have mercy. I've got, I've given myself the new nickname. I've thrown aside all the other accolades that you toss at me so freely, Evan. <laughs> uh, yeah, like, they, uh, they, they feel like wine. Bull rider. Yeah, and uh, what else am I? I can't remember. I can't remember and them I'm all either. Up. They're just too <laughs> numerous. <laughs> the preferred sound to a jackhammer, this is Table Talk Radio. Barely. <laughs> like... Jackhammer, Table Talk Radio. I don't know. It's like two... Can I listen to the Jackhammer for just two hours? (laughs) Could get a podcast of just Jackhammer noise. (laughs) We should bump with the Jackhammer. (laughs) All right. Today's edition of Table Talk Radio is uh, the game you've all been waiting for. Uh, The Lutheran Anthropology Game is what we're calling it. (laughs) For a game. We, Who we, thought of that? We haven't really talked about how this works yet. Uh, yeah, I don't know the rules of the we'll, game. We'll figure it out as we go. So uh, <laughs> it's guaranteed to be a good one. You don't want to miss out on this yeah. uh, for sure. Um, but we we, uh, we got an email, which we're going to be reading in just a little bit uh, Ooh, yeah. uh, concerning uh, sanctification. But first, before we before we get into this, the email or the Lutheran Anthropology game or the... All the single ladies, finals. please raise their hand. <laughs> First order of business. <laughs> uh, I make a motion to uh, to table that. I'd uh, like some whereas's for that motion, please. <laughs> whereas, whereas there is no hope. <laughs> oh. Be it resolved, we quit playing that game. Okay, past, past and seconded motion, whatever. <laughs> you have no idea how that works. <laughs> You're right. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna buffet uh, you with bylaws. <laughs> I think that oh, your motion was out of order. <laughs> you're you're nearing executive session right now. <laughs> <laughs> I did the uh, alter. What is it called? The um uh, uh you'd like to propose an alternate motion? Yeah, I don't know. Alternate resolution. I, I, I remember at the convention there was like an amendment to the amendment to the amendment, uh, like three layers deep. I'm like Oof. it's like going into the matrix. Just boat down the dang thing. <laughs> 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 yeah. Okay, uh, but before we uh, do all of that, oh, including, I didn't I think I get, got to announce this, we're going to end up the show by playing You Might Be a Pietist If. Oh, yeah, I'm doing my show prep right now for that. Yeah, he just printed a bunch of sheets off of Facebook. One of the things is you might be a pietist if you refuse to get a Facebook page. I don't think that's true. <laughs> I don't think that's true at all. Uh, okay, so uh, let's start off with some buzzwords when we get into today's program. That sounds good. Uh, what's your buzzword for me? My buzzword is anthropology. I hope I... I already, do I already automatically get 500 points? Did I already use the word? No, no. All right. Uh, anthropos is the Greek word for man, humanity. 
and logos means word or study of, so anthropology means study of man. Now, here's why this is important, because uh, you can go to college these days and study anthropology, and what you're studying is like how, how the, um, the Aborigines evolved in, in, uh, in uh, Australia and stuff. That is different than what we when we talk about theo- theological anthropology, which is the doctrine of mankind, the doctrine of humanity. What does the Bible say about man and man's condition as created, fallen, redeemed, sanctified, uh, resurrected, etc.? All right, and my theological buzzword for you is efficacy. Uh, and tabletalkradio.org says that uh, efficacy is the doctrine that says Scripture does what it says. <laughs> How do you like that for a definition? I like it. You know, we've added – Have has this trend caught on? Have you seen all sorts of buzz around the Internet with the, my fifth attribute of the Holy Scripture? So, in fact, we have a six attributes of the Scriptures. So, uh, number one, the Bible's inspired. That means God Check. wrote it. Number two, the Bible is inerrant. That means it has no errors. Check. The third is the Bible is infallible. That means because God said it and God can't lie, that it cannot be an error. So it's not only that it doesn't have errors, which is inerrancy, mm-hmm. it doesn't have the capability of erring, right. which is infallibility. Infallibility. Check. Now, we get on to a fourth one, which I haven't been talking about, but we need to, and that is clarity, that the Bible is clear. Almost everyone denies that. Uh, so we want to assert that clarity. And then the other one is efficacy, what you mentioned, that the Lord's Word is powerful, that the Holy Spirit is um, is bound himself up to the Lord's Word to do stuff. And then the sixth attribute of the Holy Scriptures, which is my bailiwick lately, is that they are awesome. <laughs> the Bible is awesome. Because, and there's a reason why this is important, is because I think the devil has this lie that is that the Bible is boring, or that theology is boring. And I'm against that. I'm against the lie of the devil that theology is boring. So your uh, attribute that the scripture is awesome is to work against that it's boring. Right. Okay. That's right. So uh, so theology can be bad in two ways. The first way is that if it's wrong, <laughs> that's bad. Agreed. <laughs> and then the second way is that if it's boring, I'm against that also. I mean, don't please don't take this radio show as proof that I'm against it. <laughs> I don't think huh. anyone should take this radio show a proof of anything. <laughs> I don't think anyone should take this radio show. I say take it away from us. But uh, to go back to efficacy, to elaborate on that a little bit, oh, yeah, is, is people, uh, it's funny that so many people will, will affirm some of the attributes you just, which you just described, especially inerrancy and uh, infallibility um, and, and inspiration. But when it comes to that, that God's word actually does things, uh, for example, forgive your sins. Uh, that in in God's example, word yeah. we have uh, uh, God's promises that our sins are forgiven, and that word that that very promise creates creates faith that our sins are really forgiven. So, it, it, like as the Table Talk Radio definition says, it does what it says it does, mm. and that's efficacy. Mm-hmm. That's right. All right. So we have an you have an email for us Ooh, to, yeah. to okay. turn in here. Hi guys, long time listener, first time caller, as it were, emailer. I have a question about sanctification. I've read Pastor Wolf Mueller's article on sanctification, titled Sanctification, Daily Death and Resurrection, along with several others of the Lutheran view of sanctification, mostly articles by David Scare on the third use of the law in the Concordia Theological Journal. I remember my first year at seminary, by the way, this is not in from the letter, uh, that I went up to, to Dr. Scare and I said, hey, I have a question about sanctification. And he says, um, uh, 
<laughs> well, first he says, are you in my class? Because <laughs> I get paid for this kind of stuff. <laughs> and I said, yes, I am in your class. And he says, well, have you read my article? And I said, no, I haven't read your article. So I traped off to the library, and I read his article, and I still had the question. So I went back up to him. I said, hey, I've got this question still. I read your article. He says, did you read my second article? <laughs> no. <laughs> went back to the library and read the second article. Anyway, uh, so I've read those things, too. I think Pastor Wolf, Wolfmuller's illustration of the pit bull is excellent. I'm still struggling. The pit bull il- illustration is the idea of the guy in the house, and uh, he has the pit bull. Remember how this thing went? I'm trying to remember. Uh, guy has I think, pit he, bull. I think the pit bull nodded the neighbors and the, killed the wife. Yeah, and he was so destructive, and it was just completely chaotic, and the guy... Uh, uh, wants to, uh, you know, the, everyone can see that the only thing that you can do with this pit bull is to put it to death, put it down. But he still wants to train it to make it better. He's got his 40 days of pit bull training, etc. That's the illustration. Okay. Uh, thank you, by the way, for thinking that it was excellent. I'm still struggling to come to grips with the third use of the law and the call to holiness or sanctification. I grew up in the holiness churches and more recently in, you guessed it, Calvinistic churches. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> I have found that as I've pursued sanctification according to the Reformed and Wesleyan thought that I'm not actually getting more sanctified. It seems to me that the third use of the law is killing me as it so quickly morphs into the second use. How are you doing? Are you getting the victory? Have you conquered that pet sin? Etc. Etc. The great comfort I found in recent years has come from confessional Lutherans. Don Matsett wrote an article on the topic entitled Theology of Glory and Theology of the Cross. Every day and everywhere we're getting better and better. Really? And Todd Wilkin wrote a similar article... Todd Wilkin, the uh, I think his name is spelled wrong here, but I recognize that guy. He uh, <laughs> he has the distinction of being uh, a victor in in uh, that preaching game. We yeah, played. and a potential candidate for my ordination uh, preacher. <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. I also think that uh, we need to start the movement to, to make sure that Todd Wilkin gets elected to some sort of church office. <laughs> Todd Wilkin wrote a similar article entitled "Sheep Don't Keep Track: Stop Measuring Your Moral Progress." The confessional Lutheran perspective, which I'm just beginning to wrap my head around, has been much such a comfort to me. This all comes as getting nearer to throwing in the towel because my Christianity didn't seem to be working. AKA, I wasn't seeing victory in my progress. Would you guys be willing to devote a portion of an upcoming show to sanctification and the, quote, third use of the law? Perhaps there's some games that could work to flesh this out. Don't know? Oh, we know about games. <laughs> All I know is that the sins that I'm supposed to be conquering don't seem to be going away. Despair can't be quite o- can be quite overwhelming. I assume that I'm not the only listener that would benefit from such a discussion. Uh, sincerely, so-and-so. Uh, P.S. I might be your only Canadian listener. Adding to the four in the States makes me number five. Keep up the great work. I think we do. Uh, we have we have now. Uh, I think we're up to 15 listeners. But this weird phenomenon that each 15 of you are downloading the show like 100 times or something. <laughs> yeah. Which is just kind of creeping me out, guys. It's creeping me out. Well, let's uh, let's take some time to respond to this email specifically, and then it'll launch us into this game that we're playing up, uh, Lutheran anthropology game. <laughs> Who, I can't wait, but listen, we got Jack Johnson. Who, who wouldn't yeah. want to stick through the commercials for that? You're listening to Table Talk Radio. We'll be right back. I want to turn the whole thing upside down. I'll find this is a, like a recording studio in here now. Yeah, where's my show? Me and Jack are going to do a duo. We'll sing and dance to Mother Nature's song. I don't want this feeling to go away. 
Hi, this is Todd Wilkin, host ah, of Issues, Wilkin. etc. When I can't sleep, I listen to Table Talk Radio. That's an electable man. Welcome back to Table Talk Radio. Now, the funny thing about all of this is that this is how he is every week. It's just usually he doesn't know that I have muted his microphone from from Indiana. Uh, but now uh, there's no escaping it, and uh, we, ha- we have to be tortured by his singing along with the bump music. Uh, <laughs> Turn up the music. I'll bump us in. Don't worry. <laughs> well, I want to respond to our uh, emailer here. Uh, whoa. Just hit the microphone. Whoa. Careful. Uh, Jared, is that, is, that, is that the email you yeah, read? Our Canadian listener. Uh, yes. I, I, uh, I We've got three emails sitting here all from Canada. It's kind of freaky. Don't <laughs> no, worry, no, Canadian no, no. listeners. You're the only one. <laughs> Don't we worry. Got, we got, I mean, all these international emails. So we got an email from Canada, and we got an email from, like, uh, Louisiana. All these foreigners are listening to our show. Yeah. Actually, it's, uh, it's the same listener making different email accounts. <laughs> <laughs> you listeners are kind of freaking me out with this stuff. <laughs> no, but I, I wanted to respond uh, to that email. Then you can you can talk about how this game works. Uh, because uh, I remember when I went to uh, college, I went to a, a Methodist Methodist college, and I was learning this this holiness sanctification. Methodistic. <laughs> You're singing singing uh, some of our old bumper music now. Yeah, that's right. Uh, but uh, that wasn't the show. I'm getting all out of whack. Sorry, you went to a. I don't let me interrupt. You went to a Methodist college. Go ahead and tell the story. Yeah, thanks. Uh, and and uh, I, uh, it was it was at this college I actually learned Lutheran theology. I was going to the Lutheran church and and kind of comparing this. And I'll never forget uh, what my 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 Lutheran pastor said uh, when when talking to him about this uh, Methodist view of sanctification. And he said. Uh, the, the the Methodists try to uh, domesticate the old Adam. The Lutherans just try to crucify him. Hey, who uh, said that? The Methodist pastor? No, 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 no. My oh. Lutheran. Th- th- oh. Weren't you listening? No, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was right here the whole time. What do you mean was I listening? And, and that's actually a good illustration of, of what's going on. So so that rather than than just drowning the old Adam, uh, crucifying the flesh, uh, putting the sins on the cross where Christ was crucified, uh, the the holiness movement wants to. Uh, train him. Wants to teach him how to how to be good. He's trying to teach the pit bull uh, to to stop attacking. Pit bull training 101. Yeah. Now this is I think so the the differences in the different churches uh, doctrine of sanctification uh, comes down then to different anthropologies. And uh, un- this is unfortunately kind of a complicated thing. I don't know how to do a radio whiteboard, uh, but I kind of wish we could because um, because we. Because we, uh, as we study the Bible, realize that that man's will is in four different and unique states, and the problem is that that uh, other people don't. 
So, so generally, most Christians think that the state of man's will is that you're able to do good or able not to do good. You're able to sin or able not to sin, that you have a degree of freedom, and that it's now a matter of degrees. Before you fell, you were really able not to sin. Now, after the fall, you're hardly able not to sin. And then after you become a Christian, you're sort of able not to sin. But you, that's sanctification, then, for most Christians, is a growth in your in your free will, in its ability to not sin. That's right. how most people And so you even, hear, you even get these stages. You know, you, you, they'll make the, the difference between the Christian who has accepted Jesus as their Savior. But then you have the Christians who have gone further, and, and Jesus is now their Lord of their life, not just their, their Savior. Right, and so this is the progressive part of progressive sanctification, is you're getting better, your will is getting stronger, more able to fight back sin. Uh, and so that you are actually getting quantitatively closer to a, to the definition of holiness, which the Lord gives us in the Bible. Uh, the the trouble is that when we look at the Bible, we see that uh, we see a different story. We see that it's true. Before the fall, Adam and Eve were able to sin or able not to sin. After the fall, they're not able to not sin. All they can do is sin. They're dead in trespasses and sin. They're they're captive to the devil, and, and our flesh is that way. But then, when you become a Christian, and here's the unique Lutheran anthropology, uh, which is really quite stunning, is that you are, at the same time, uh, a complete sinner. Your flesh does nothing but despise God and his word and his teaching and his doctrine, etc., etc., etc. But you have the spirit, which wants in every way to please God. In fact, the spirit cannot sin. It's impossible for the new man to sin, to despise the Lord's word. To, to not trust in, in God and believe that he hears our promises, to not in every way love God and love the neighbor, so that the Christian has two distinct and opposing wills. And, and that's, and that's going to be the root. That, the, the, uh, on the one hand, the idea that we have a, a will that's free but sick, and on the other hand, that we have a will, that we have two wills that are fighting against each other, and that's going to explain the differences in sanctification. And, and I think we're going to flush that out. Uh, with this game that we got to make up. Okay, now I want to, before we get into the game... Which I still don't know how we're going to play. Because <laughs> um, part of the emailer's question was not only with sanctification, but third use. Right. Uh, and so let's try to, to broach that a little bit. Now, there are times that uh, the Christian finds himself in a situation that uh, and he desires to do the right thing, but, but needs to find out what that right thing is. You probably encounter this as a pastor, that uh, someone comes to your office and says, Pastor, I'm in this situation... Mm-hmm. I just don't know don't know what to do. I mean, they're obviously wanting to do the right thing as as a as a Christian. I was just called as a pastor, and I don't have a wife. Oh gosh, what am I going to do? Executive session. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I like this mute, uh, you know, knob right here. Just turn off whenever I want. Uh, but so so the so the uh, part of part of the third use is is the the uh, the Christian uh, who who goes out to, to serve his neighbor, but in it he knows that that serving his neighbor is 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 uh, he, uh, he's going to encounter the law. Uh, so that uh, uh, I know that I can I cannot in my in my flesh uh, uh, keep the commandments. That that the law is going to condemn me. But as a as a Christian, I know that that Christ has died for my sins and he is he is made full atonement for those sins. So I'm going to. I'm going to go out and serve my neighbor anyway, even though I know that law is going to condemn me. Yeah, that's right. So, I mean, the third use of the law, let's just 
kind of to take another step back and review is that we say that the law has three uses or three functions. Uh, the first use is the civil use with the curb of the law. It keeps things in order in society. And it, so it's it's demanding uh, external obedience and punishes uh, external disobedience. And uh, that goes uh, uh, through, through all nations for unbelievers and everything. The second use of the law, which is chief use of the law, theological use of the law, is that it condemns sins. Like a mirror, it holds God's uh, per- perfection up to us and shows us how we fall short. Then the Bible talks about the third use of the law. Lutheran confessions do as well. But I think it's not an it's it's actually just taking this very complicated state of of the Christian having two wills and saying, well, how does the law interact with that? And according to this flesh, the law kills us. According to the spirit, the law is our delight. So how does the Christian, which has these two wills, these two different and unique ways of relating to the law, what does that look like? And that's the third use. So the law still comes and condemns us. That's the second use, and that's it's still for the Christian. It shows us where we fall short, when we sin, when we when we desire the things that God hasn't given us, when we reach beyond our vocation, when all these sort of things. But then, as a Christian, as the as the Spirit and as the new man, the law comes to us and it says, "Hey, this is who you are in Christ, and this is what you delight to do." So it gives a it gives um, a contour to to our life in Christ, because the Spirit, the new man, the new part of us, is is not a mystic. It's not like he has some sort of uh, divine sort of radio connection to the voice of God. No, he delights to do God's will, and he knows that the place that he finds that will is in the scriptures. So that the new man is delighting to hear the Lord's law, his instruction, uh, his holiness, and the way he wants us to live. So the new man still goes to the Bible to hear what God's will is. So uh, we're going to have a commercial break coming up in here in about a minute. But uh, so uh, during the commercial commercial break, all the listeners, um, both of them, have have a, have a little bit of a project. You need to get a piece of paper and some crayons, right? And yeah, then, it's and then, crayons. And then as we describe oh, this game, yeah. the Lutheran Anthropology game, they can be writing it out. They they can be your whiteboard as you, as you describe how this works. Oh yeah, that sounds good. Uh, and then also, I'm going to award myself 500 points. For getting the buzzword without you... Uh, what was it? No. Anthropology? That's a ridiculous buzzword. <laughs> I've said it like seven times. I sh- let's see. 500 times seven. 3,500 points. Okay, so... Uh, with all the single ladies who are interested in a man with low... <laughs> executive of- session. Okay. Raise your hand. I'm sorry. No one can hear you. <laughs> Yeah, that, that, that's a nice little feature of the soundboard here. All right, so you're listening to Table Talk Radio, and uh, when we get back, we we'll play the Lutheran Anthropology game, and then after that, you might be a pietist if. Uh, and we're going to describe what, what uh, a pietist is and, and, and why we should be, be uh, on, on the lookout for it. Give us a call, 1-800-385-SOLA, 1-800-385-SOLA. Or you can send us an email, questions at tabletalkradio.org. Also, if you haven't signed up for Table Talk Radio, text message alerts. I send one of these out like once a month, and you don't want to miss out on yeah, it. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> Breaking news. Text, text message the word Table Talk altogether one word. You say tune out of Pirate Christian Radio. Table Talk Radio is almost gone. 69302 Table Talk. We'll be right back. Don't go away. Can climb so high I never want to die 
you ever been flipping through the radio and suddenly wonder why you've been listening to something? Well, this is Stable Talk Radio. Welcome back to Table Talk Radio. Thank well, you. Pastor Wolfmuller, the listeners are ready with their whiteboards in front of them, and they are ready to hear how the Lutheran anthropology game works. Yeah, I haven't exactly figured that out yet, but I think it would be something like this. Um, uh, we, uh, well, here, we, we, we've laid out the Lutheran anthropology, right? Uh, and that is that there's a different states of man's will uh, before the fall, Able to sin or able not to sin. After the fall, not able not to sin. All you can do is sin. After the after conversion, after baptism, after we've been regenerated, we are able to, um, uh, according to the flesh, we're not able not to sin. All we can do is sin. According to the new man, we're not able to sin. And then, by the way, in the resurrection, and this is really quite nice, we're not able to sin. Oh, finally. we fantastic. Uh, but, but, we want to point out some differences um this state of man after the fall is uh the lutheran uh, and the reformed are stick together on this thing uh but everyone else the 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 catholics the evangelicals everyone else is going to be different and they're not going to say that man is not able not to sin they're going to say man is uh his will is sick it's harder for him to do right that sin is a tendency but that you still have the ability to do to do well and do good it's Pelagianism or semi-Pelagianism, and 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 now watch. If your if your will is able to still do good before you're a Christian, then what is your being a Christian is going to look like an act of your will. See, so that's why you have decisions for Christ, uh, decisions theology and everything. It's a you have this faulty uh, anthropology. You don't go all the way with original sin, and so then you, it, it's now up to you. Well, watch what happens after conversion. The Calvinist friends who were with us before, and some of them they, they don't like this, but I think it's. It's just it's right there in Westminster Confession. The Calvinists rejoin the Catholics and the Evangelicals and say that for the Christian, he has a free will. It might not be totally healthy. It might be in different degrees of health. But that you have a will now that's free to sin or not sin. So now your Christian life is, is a matter of asserting your will. And your sanctification is a matter of your own doing your own acting, your own trying, your own discipline, etc. And uh, and that's what we see when people talk about sanctification. That's what they're talking about, asserting our own will. Now, we understand that if, we have, if it's true, and it is from the Scriptures, and I'll, I'll read a passage, Romans chapter 7 is where this is lined out most clearly, uh, that we have these two contradictory wills, then it's a matter uh, not of getting better and of improvement, but rather of death and resurrection. Uh, so here Paul writes, I pulled open Romans chapter 7, verse, starting verse 14. We know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. For what I am doing, I do not understand. For what I will to do, that I do not practice, but what I hate to do, that I do. If then I do what I will not to do, I agree with the law that it is good. But now it's no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. See, that's the will of the flesh that can only sin. 
For I know that in me, that is, in my flesh, nothing good dwells. For to will is present, according to the new man, within me. But how to perform what is good I do not find. For the good that I will to do I do not do, but the evil I will not to do, that I practice. Now if I do what I will not to do, it's no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. I find then a law that evil is present with me, the one who wills to do good. For I delight in the law of God according to the inward man, but I see another law present in my members warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin which is in my members. O wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? And then Paul ends with a doxology. I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord, so then with the mind I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh the law of sin. I mean, that lays it out so perfectly, these two contradictory rules. Now, Luther called this uh, simul justus et peccator, at the same time sinner and justified, uh, that we're fighting this out. And our Christian life is therefore a war. That's what it said here. Uh, uh, where did it, oh, yeah. I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind. Uh, that's some serious business. So that sanctification does not look like a guy trying harder. It looks like one person being put to death and another being raised from the dead. Now, I still haven't answered how we're going to play a game with this. <laughs> uh, well, if you stall long <laughs> enough, we won't have to play a game. Um, <laughs> but it sounds like uh, uh, St. Paul is a bit like our emailer. Uh, is this it? No, that's not uh, it. I'll find uh, it for you. That, uh, who, who said that... Uh, uh, that Sanctification. Uh, I'm not getting more and more sanctified. Uh, that that I'm finding myself continuing continuing to to uh, to fail at the the life I'm supposed to be living, and uh, all that results is despair. Uh, yeah, Jared uh, Jared said, um, all I know is that the sins that I am supposed to be conquering don't seem to be going away, and the despair can be quite overwhelming at times. Uh, and so. Uh, what 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 uh, Saint Paul rejoices in, in that in that Romans passage that you that you mentioned is that uh, that that those sins which we're supposed to be conquering have been conquered not by our striving to overcome them but have they been conquered by the death of Jesus those sins even those pet sins that we're supposed to overcome even the the sins that we keep coming back to uh, those have been crucified with Christ. Uh, and now uh, sanctification is is putting to death the old the old Adam the old flesh by confessing our sins yeah by saying that we're sinners that we're in need of God's grace mercy and love and forgiveness yeah that's right and so here, here's the game I finally thought of it how much time do we have to play this four game? minutes all right so th- this is this is the way we can talk about it is we can because the the idea of all these games is we want to teach discernment and the thing that we want to discern here is what is the source of bad theology. Okay, so we're going to find the source of some bad theology in the false anthropology. Oh, what a game! This is one to play with the kids. You guys are going to, you know, you're listening and you're going to just wait. I can't wait till the show's over so we go teach the kids the Lutheran anthropology game. So that I'll, I'll give you a bad doctrine and then tell me where that, why it's come, how it comes from the false anthropology. Okay. 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 Here it is. Uh, to be converted, you have to make a decision for Christ. Okay, uh, that assumes that man has the capability of making a decision for Christ. Yes, and what's wrong with that? Uh, that uh, man... <laughs> man doesn't have that. Man doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, and so here, uh, it, it would be the same as... 
is going to a dead corpse at, down at the funeral home. And uh, you see the guy laying there, his, his arms hanging off the table, and the, and, you know, the sheet's kind of covering him. And you say, Fred, get up. <laughs> yeah. You're supposed to call Jane. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. I mean, th- th- that's what you're telling. When, when, when you tell uh, uh, the unregenerate, the, the unconverted, to find Jesus. Well, he can't. Yeah, he, we have to be found by Jesus so that our original sin teaches us that we're completely lost. Now, let's just take it one step further and do, and ask this question. What, what does this come from? Uh, uh, Christians don't need the preaching of the gospel. Uh-huh. Okay, so what that assumes... I like this game, by the way. Hey, this is working out pretty good. Um, that assumes that <laughs> Shock. that the Christian uh, does not ha- have the the, uh, the two natures battling it out. The the old sinful nature and the new creation that, that, that constantly fight with one another. Um, it, it assumes that because a person's a Christian, uh, his will has been free to to make choices, to to obey God or to not obey God. The reality is that the the Christian, uh, though he is a, a new creation in Christ, that new creation never wants to sin at all. He always wants to obey God's uh, commandments perfectly. And to see this, it's really good to read Psalm one nineteen. You know, that, that's a that's a great to hear the new creation uh, talking about how I love to hear thy precepts, O God. Um, uh, but at the same time, that new creation is then fighting against the old sinful nature who never wants to obey God's, God's law. Yeah, yeah. Now, uh, here's another one, is that when you do not preach the law, the condemning law to Christians, uh, so you never preach that, that someone is a sinner after they're converted. What's wrong with that? Uh... I guess it would it would seem to imply that uh, uh, that the Christian doesn't sin or is no longer doesn't need to be convicted of this sin. So it, it, I guess it's it's assuming that the Christian uh, does no wrong. Yeah, or that the Christian uh, knows better, or that mm-hmm. uh, the Christian is uh, the way that the Christian deals with sin is different than the way the unbeliever deals with sin because the Christian now has the free will to do what's right. So, the, so and, and here's maybe the biggest difference is for for the rest of the church, sanctification is a matter of preaching the law to tell you what you what you have to do, decide, act upon. But we know, the Lutheran Church knows, our Lutheran doctrine confesses, that we are flesh, sinner, to the bad to the bone, and spirit, delighting in the Lord's word, so that for us, sanctification is the preaching of law and gospel. It is the old man being daily drowned. Uh, that's the work of the law. And it's the new man coming up to live in newness of life. And that's the result of the gospel. So we preach law and gospel to the unconverted. We preach law and gospel to the believers. It's law and gospel through and through. Our whole Christian life is always we we always need to 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 put the flesh to death, and we always need to hear uh, the forgiving word of Jesus. Yeah, what uh, what the faulty assumption that's going on with the kind of sanctification that Jared describes in the email is it it suggests that if I just get better morally then I'm a better person than I was before. But the fact of the matter is you're, you're still a sinner. Uh, I mean, it's either perfect or not perfect, and you're not perfect because you're old sinful flesh. So uh, we'll be right back and play You Might Be a Piousist If. This will be a theme song for our radio show. <laughs> 
You're listening to Table Talk Radio. Serious theology. Seriously bad hosts. Table Talk Radio is rockin' awesome. Just if the game we're playing on Table Talk Radio. Okay, what in the world is a pietist? Well, I think we could talk about it as we look at some of these answers. Now, I didn't think up any of these things. I put this on our uh, Facebook fan page. People oh, actually go to that thing still? Oh, you got to be kidding me. we got like uh, we have enough we, for like every listener we have, like 50 fans on Facebook fan page. <laughs> I do not know what's happening here. This is the weirdest thing of all these listeners from, you know, we keep hearing from all these listeners from all these different countries, like Texas. We had an email from Texas. <laughs> the joke's funny. I think that's it's, hilarious. It's been funny for three weeks now. <laughs> so when we show, record shows back to back to back, Evan says, this is really terrible because you don't forget what you talked about last time. You get all confounded. <laughs> So I put on the I put on the Facebook fan page. You might be a pietist if it, people filled it out. Something like 300 responses to this. It's kind of ridiculous. Anyway, so uh, I'll read some of them, and uh, and then we can talk about uh, why this is a mark of pietism. Now the the thesis here is we want to we want to uh, the thesis of this little game is that uh, there are cultural religious themes that we pick up with if we're not careful. Like when you go to your, visit your grandparents and then you leave and your clothes smell like your grandparents' house. <laughs> so this is the same principle of, this is like the visit your grandparents' house rule of theology is that we're just going to have a tendency to pick up the cultural themes. And the cultural theme of American Christianity is pietism. Sorry, pietists, it's true. Well, maybe that should not be something to apologize about. You should be proud of it. You've redefined Christianity after your own image, which is pietism. Uh, so we want to be able to get some of the marks of this stuff to sniff it out. Like, uh, so we can, you walk up to someone and you listen to them talk theologically and you say, have you just visited your grandparents' house? <laughs> Luther, by the way, he would always, this is great, Luther would talk about how you have a nose for false doctrine. You can smell false doctrine. So I just know what he's talking about now that you're here in the same room with me. <laughs> so here's one. You might be a pietist if you feel guilty for not putting any thought into your response for this question. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Now, one of the marks then, uh, one of the marks of pietism is going to be really what we were just talking about. We were just talking about this, uh, about how sanctification is a matter of law, not gospel. Mm -hmm. so, the, um, so pietism... Is really at its root going to say that growth and good works is more important than uh, right teaching? So pietism puts uh, pietism will pit doctrine and practice against one another, and it'll put an emphasis on practice. It'll it'll pit um, it'll pit teaching and living against each other, and it'll put an emphasis on living. And so uh, and so because the problem then is you get an over a, a kind of an emphasis on law, which is not really handling guilt. So the pietist thing is deeds not creeds. The problem is the forgiveness of sins is found in the creeds, not in the deeds. So you're going to have some guilt issues. Here's another one. Uh, uh, this is, you might be a pietist if you try to like Christian rock music, even though you really, really like ACDC. <laughs> <laughs> Back in Black, which should be the theme song for the pastors, you know. Right, the, yeah. You know. 
so yeah, so within uh, I guess pietism, you have uh, this sense that um, I don't know how, how would you put it that uh, that any of these uh, forms of entertainment like movies or music or any of these things uh, need to be from uh, uh, I, I guess Christianized or something like that. So so you can't just uh, you know enjoy a, a form of entertainment that is uh, of the world, but it needs to be from some sort of a Christian cleaned-up version. Yeah, that's right. There's so there's a little bit of monasticism, which is escape from the world. I mean, which is b- biblical in the sense of to keep oneself unspotted from the world. And yet at the same time, there's this kind of worldliness to it. So you're always Christianizing stuff. There's this Christianizing movement. So you're so you're you're taking secular things and you're copying them in the church. This sort of thing. So worship uh, starts to reflect the culture and things like that. That's one of, another mark of Pietism. Uh, here's another one. Uh, you might be a pietist if, and the response is, I had to look deep in my heart to see if I truly and sincerely wanted to make this comment. Or, <laughs> or another one is, uh, here, which is on the same vein, you might be a pietist if your theology is based completely on adverbs, like fully, truly, <laughs> really, or honestly. What's going on there? You want to take a stab at this? Uh, sure. Uh, uh well, pietism is is much about uh, the sincerity of an action, not about the action uh, itself. Yeah, so you're pushing everything back to the to the intent. Right. Yeah. So uh, um, I'm going to uh, I, I I don't know sincerely help my neighbor rather than I'm just going to help my neighbor. Right. Uh, so that uh, th- this kind of goes back to what we were talking about in the first segment of this program with the the third use of the law. Uh, uh, yeah. So so that we're gonna we're gonna help our neighbor and and one who uh, understand justification and the the proper view of sanctification uh, knows that I can't help my neighbor free f- from the law that I'm going to sin in the process of helping my neighbor. I'm gonna you know and I'm helping you f- fix your tire out there. I'm gonna complain about about the whole way inside my head. Um, but uh, but the the fact of the matter is that that I know that I am justified and and that at the end of the day you're served by my wonderful. Uh, tire fixing ability. <laughs> I'll show that to you later. But I, but the Pietist has to convince himself that I did this with full sincerity, right, with full right. uh, love, with full. Yeah, and, and the reality is, we never do it with full sincerity. Yeah, yeah. So there's this there's this push to there's this internalizing push, and it's uh, and that internalizing push uh, uh, is going to now cause you to be looking at the intent rather than the external act, and that's. So there, there is a despising of the external act, and this is a this is kind of a slight form of Gnosticism, uh, a kind of flight from the external. And so one of the marks of the kind of Gnostic marks of Pietism is going to be this move from external things to internal things, and the kind of destruction of the doctrine of vocation. Here's a couple on those themes. You might be a Pietist if you tell people they should move their intellect of Jesus into their heart. <laughs> <laughs> see, see that how see how yeah. that goes. Um, uh, so uh, the, uh, there's a couple more like this. Um, you think you might be a pietist if you think that taking a walk with your wife to spend more time with her might cut away from an opportunity to pray for the lost. <laughs> <laughs> or you might be a pietist if the liturgy makes you hum. You've lost that love and feeling. <laughs> So, so you you see what's going on there? This kind of internalizing move. Um, 
Gnosticism says that the things of this earth are bad and intrinsically wicked. The only things that can be holy are spiritual things, internal things. Now, that's just wrong. Uh, it's, the, the, the Lord does not have that kind of duality in creation, but, uh, um, uh, but it just clings to our nature, and pietists picked up on a little bit of that. Along that line, you mentioned worship, and that's, that's true with the pietists, that uh, the evaluation of something spiritual is internal um, about how you felt. Uh, maybe we can do some praise song crunching next week to uh, to evaluate that a little bit. Uh, but yeah, I mean, if if this this um, worship service uh, doesn't get me emotionally charged, uh, then it must not be uh, fulfilling spiritually, or something must be wrong with it spiritually. Um, the Christian looks to uh, the externals that are given. Was my I should say were my sins forgiven in this service? And if the answer is yes then it was a good service. Yeah, that's right. Here, uh, There's another one with that, and it's, it's here. It says, you might be a pietist if you always say, the Lord told me. <laughs> and that's one of this uh, kind of the same sort of thing, is you're not, uh, the pietist will have a tendency to listen for the Lord's word, not in his word, but rather uh, internally, kind of the echoing in your own heart. Uh, and again, that's this distinction between the internal uh, and the external. <laughs> There's a couple more here. Uh, you might be a pietist if you wish the other people understood the differences between believer and disciple the way that you do. <laughs> What's going I, on there? I like that one. Uh, so, the, <laughs> okay, we should say, too, that the pietist is always comparing himself to the other others around them. And the, the pietist uh, finds that he's really, he's really getting it done. He's really achieving it. And so well, the problem that that pietist sees is that all these other people uh, are just believers. They're not really following Jesus, you know, like I'm following Jesus. <laughs> yeah, so the, one of the marks of pietism is making a, dis- a distinction between a Christian and a real Christian. Mm-hmm. And it comes across in different languages. It used to be like this question. Uh, so are you born again? Mm-hmm. What, what does that mean? Well, it, it doesn't mean are you a Christian. It means are you really a Christian? Mm-hmm. It's a question of your sincerity. Mm-hmm. Are you did you just go to church and sit in the pew on Sunday, or do you really dedicate your yeah. life to God? Now, people don't say that much anymore. Now it is a are you Christ follower? A Christ follower. Yep. I might you might be a Christian, but are you a Christ follower? Well, and maybe what we should end with here, there's a minute left here, is to announce that. Uh, in our in our flesh, we were all pietists. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Here's the, here's the last one. It says, uh, "You might be a pietist if you have a pulse." <laughs> and that makes the point is that all of us have these theological tendencies. All of us do. I mean, all of us want to um, think that uh, 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 that we are um, improving, that we are impressing God with our works, that we are somehow beyond the Lord's forgiveness. Uh, that we're progressing in our in our holiness, but the truth is we all and always are nothing but in need of the Lord's forgiveness. Yeah. Uh, but we can rejoice in that because the Lord freely forgives us. Yeah. So whenever we start to uh, uh, see ourselves in our pietistic tendencies, we should just look at ourselves in the mirror of God's law and repent. So that'll that'll be it. Thanks for listening to Table Talk Radio. You might be a pietist if you don't have a Facebook page. What? <laughs> You've been listening to Table Talk Radio. The views expressed on this show are that of the hosts and do not reflect the views or opinions of this station. We would like your feedback on today's show. Call us toll-free, 1-800-385-SOLA. 
That's 1-800-385-SOLA. Or send us an email, questions at tabletalkradio.org. You can listen again to this show or any of our past shows on our website, tabletalkradio.org. Thanks for listening and tune in again next time to Table Talk Radio.